Caitlin, do you know what the number one rule of podcasting is? Don't chew gum. Turn off the fan. Turn on the recorder. Ugh. I'm remembering our entire amazing conversation we had last week after we stopped recording. I am pretty sure our producer is still off banging his head against a wall somewhere. Sorry, Jonathan. Sorry, Jonathan. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women making our way and making our voices heard in New York. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief, best-selling author, national speaker, and public historian, Jamar Tisby. They've answered every question definitively such that there's no more room for mystery, for questioning, for curiosity. That rigidity is really what I think hampers the witness of evangelicals today. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. (sighs) Last episode really did give me a vulnerability hangover. I was anxious about it for several days after we recorded. What is the cure for a vulnerability hangover? I'd say a stiff drink, but I think that just kicks (laughs) the can down the road. (laughs) Right, because then you're dealing with needing to get Gatorade and sleep in a dark room all day. Yes. Thinking back to our off-the-record conversation last week. Literally off-the-record. I believe you started it by saying, here's something I wish I had said (laughs) during the episode. Just as a reminder, last week's episode was on motherhood, or more to the point, non-motherhood, not being moms. And we talked about our own sort of journeys around coming to terms with not having kids at an age when we'd expected to have them. I know we've been vulnerable in other episodes, but it felt like a new level for us. And there was so much to talk about. Yes. One thing I alluded to in the conversation with Aaron, but then we really got into afterward, was some of the unintentional, Mm -hmm. hurtful things we've had parents say to us. Like, I know they don't mean it, but it hurts. These are things that have probably been said to us over time that kind of hit a bruise under the skin that was like, ugh. And I obviously, I think this goes both ways. Like, I'm sure Mm. that we all can use more awareness and sensitivity. Mm -hmm. I know that that is true. Like, the bumping of the bruises probably goes in both directions. I can definitely think back to times when I unintentionally have left out friends with young kids because I just assumed they didn't have time or they were just too busy or too wrapped up up in caring for their children so they couldn't come do this fun thing. So in that spirit, we thought we'd offer some examples of the worst things we've heard, especially things we've often heard Mm. that feel like they are just sort of right there on the tip of a lot of tongues or they're just kind of almost cliches, but they hit. Mm -hmm. So y'all have heard of how to lose a guy in 10 days. We bring you seven ways to lose your single friends in 10 words or less. So I'll start with the one that got us going last week. Number one. You know, I think I've heard this in various forms over the years, but it it generally sums up to like, must be nice to have so much free time to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think like I've, I'm recounting like going out to eat on a weeknight and 
going to a Broadway play and having somebody be like, oh, that would be nice to be able to do. It must be nice to have so much of your own time. Mm -hmm. It strikes me that it's coming from a place of comparison. Like Mm -hmm. your life is like this and my life is like this and you have it better. And I just don't think that we can really know what people's interior lives are like from things like, oh, you're going to a Broadway play, so I can assume all sorts of things about you and your time. Yeah. And I think it's clearly like communicating a sense of personal frustration too, of like, like having young kids is a hard stage of life. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I think it's, it's natural to sort of be like, oh, I miss that kind of freedom. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the kind of thing where I think we can each project our own pain on the other person. Like I can project like, well, yeah, it must be nice to have children who love you and you can play with at night and who have given <laughs> that's this what gift you should to you, say in you know? response the next time. Right. Gosh, it must, it be, must nice. be nice to cuddle and get baby hugs. <laughs> yeah. I also think that certainly not everybody who is commenting on that or saying like, oh, I miss this element of single life or life without kids. But I kind of want to say like, choose your choice, you know, like Mm -hmm. every life path has things that are great and things that are hard. And you're not a martyr. You, I I assume you chose this life path. So I can definitely hear and be able to hear the ways in which this life path is hard. What I don't want to hear is like, woe is me, like a kind of self-pity because I want to say, but nobody made you have kids. Is that mean? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know if it's mean. I mean, maybe, maybe a parent would tell us like, geez, give me a minute to, you know, like, like let me recognize that this is hard. I didn't know just how hard it was going to be, sure, you know? Sure. So I think there is like that, like, how can we be empathetic to each other mm-hmm. in our hardships and be able to like accept that this is hard for you and how can I support you and also be able to say, that's awesome for you. Mm, right. I'm happy for you. You know, like I'm happy for you that you have a full life mm-hmm. that you get to go to Broadway plays that you're not sitting home alone crying in your bedroom. (laughs) I'm happy for you that you have other ways to occupy your time. Or even just saying, that sounds so fun. Right. Right. It must be nice. It just is loaded. It's a loaded phrase. Okay. The second second bad thing to say to single people. um, Now, to be fair, the person who said this to me was my former landlord. We had a very transactional (laughs) relationship. I do not believe he is listening to this episode and I would never have considered him a friend. (laughs) However, after my ex-fiance and I decided to call off our engagement and this was a very difficult time, I had told my landlord I was moving out and he had already signed new people to come in. But then Mm. the broken engagement occurred Right. And it was an awkward, right. like I had to leave. I didn't want to, I would have stayed, but I was just in this limbo place where I had to move out. And he was like, what happened? And I told him, he was like, you're young. And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so 
again. I have heard that one. You're young. You're young. You're young. Mm-hmm. And like I heard it after I got divorced. <laughs> I heard it after the next couple breakups. I heard it when I would say thing when somebody would ask first they would ask do you want kids? And I would say, yeah, I think so. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm, and they would be like, oh, well, you're young. You've got time. Yeah, I don't yeah. hear it as much anymore. They don't say that as much anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, I've noticed something. There's been a, uh, a drop off in occurrences. But like, it just, it's obviously, it's, it's obviously meant to be an encouragement. It's obviously meant as... Right. You have time. Don't worry about this. Like you have lots of life ahead of you. It's just not something that is particularly actionable. Like it's yeah. not. Why is it annoying? It feels a little like it's minimizing the pain that you're in at the moment. Right. Like, oh, because this happened to you when you're 28 means that you can just move on and find somebody else. Like right. that's not true. And that's not what happened for me, obviously. And it just feels like a little bit of cold comfort and something that doesn't actually meet someone in the reality of their loss in that moment. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good way to put it. It's very akin to me to, oh, you dodged a bullet when somebody breaks up with you or you get whatever, you know, like, yeah, probably, but I'm not there yet to say that or think that, you know, like that's not, it still feels like a bullet hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of presumes, I don't know. I, I actually do think I am. Oh, I actually think I completely agree with everyone who said that to me after the dissolution of those relationships. I, but I wasn't there yet when it happened. In retrospect. It felt like cold comfort. Right. As you said. Right. Yes. Agreed. Cold comfort is bad. Although I don't know that it's, I would not put it on the list of seven things, you know, like I think it's just, it's one of those Mm. things that because I wasn't ready to hear it, but I also like agree the you're so young thing. You're, you're young. You've got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. I think don't say that because that really, Mm -hmm. it sort of like presumes that you're going to get, you're going to find someone and it's all going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And also like, then when people stop saying it, it kind of is like, Oh crap, am I not? (laughs) I guess I ran out of time. You're young ish. (laughs) Kind of young. You could still meet someone. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. What's number three? I have heard this one from other single friends too. So this isn't, this is Mm. just, this is not from married people to single people per se. Right. I have heard this actually pretty recently. (laughs) Like basically you're too picky. Your standards are too high. There's always something that you're going to find that's wrong with somebody. Mm -hmm. As if like that's the answer is like just drop your standards. Hopefully people who know you well and aren't just like throwing that out casually, but they're offering it like, well, this is why you're still single. It's because the bar is too high. You need, so therefore you need to lower it. And once you lower it, you will meet somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody would put it that crassly like just lower the bar um but I feel like that's what they mean like I mean I feel it's a little bit or a little bit like don't trust your gut Mm. I'm thinking of most recently of it happening twice where it was after I 
had like I'd gone on some dates and then I was like I wasn't interested in going on more mm-hmm. and they were like maybe you should just give this person a chance mm-hmm. and I and like you always find something wrong you know and I and I was kind of like detailing what I was worried about mm-hmm. you know and I felt like they were a little bit telling me I was a Seinfeld episode or something mm-hmm. like you just don't like her big hands <laughs> or <laughs> her man hands, her man hands yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is a little deeper than that. But then I really do. But it really does make me second guess. Like it really does make me go, oh, am I like just too hard to please? I mean, it's impossible not on some level if you if you're single and you don't want to be single at some point to ask like, am I the problem? You know, like yeah. is this actually a me problem right. or? Yes, a a problem in how I perceive other people or expectations or like, yeah, that's, I think, actually, I'd be worried if at some point a single person didn't ask themselves like, okay, what am I potentially bringing to this that's unhelpful? But I don't think the takeaway should ever be settle for something that you know is not going to be fulfilling or satisfying. Yes, that's a good way to put it. I don't think people mean to communicate that, but I do think there's like, that is a little bit of the message of like, um, is it a, is it annoying? Cause it's another way of saying like, this is a you problem. Maybe. And I think it does have to do with being made to feel like I can't trust an intuition that I have. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that intuition is pretty hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of ends up proving itself. Like, like I've, I've, had gut feelings that I've ignored and a relationship's gone on for two or three months. And like almost always the thing that breaks it up is the thing that I felt Mm -hmm. early on. That you you kind of, you either didn't want to face because you're having fun to some level except or there's that little voice in the back of your head that like, but maybe my intuition is wrong this time. Right. Yeah. But actually I feel like I have found myself doing this too because I have a couple of friends who I feel like, (laughs) go on a lot of first dates and not a lot of second dates. Mm. And I'm like, give people a chance, you know? So I feel Guys like I do have, this one so too. It's so hard these days. <laughs> I don't know why that was the character that showed up. Um, there are plenty of nice guys. Go over to New Jersey. Anyway, I don't know. On one hand, I want to say, yes, everybody deserves a second date because first dates are just so weird. They're so hard. And they're so loaded and like, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but I think on some first dates, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> like, you oh, know, yeah. within the first 10 minutes, no. Yeah. Which is why we recommend speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. So in my early 20s, my parents, very well-intentioned, recommended a book to me called How to Get a Date Worth Keeping by Henry Cloud. I don't think I actually read it. I think they just said you should look at this book because one of the recommendations that Dr. Cloud makes is that you should try to meet a new man every day. (laughs) And I was like, what? What? (laughs) What? Where? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When? I think one of the examples that he gives in the book is like if you're standing in the line, in a checkout line at the grocery store, talk to the guy in front of you. Okay. Now, to be fair, this was pre-dating apps. This was pre-internet dating. This book came out like early 2000s. Right. 
So the principle was like, the more people you meet, the better chances you have. Yes. But it became yes the idea of like, you just have to put yourself out there more became, yes. it felt so debilitating. It felt like now I have this new job assignment. <laughs> Which is basically what a dating And I do is. not want to talk to strangers yeah. most of the time ever. Yeah. yeah. And it and it does make it, you, again, it makes it feel like it's your fault if it's not happening. You're not doing enough. So I have heard this one too. Not meet a new guy every day. I haven't heard that specific advice. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Cloud. But I have definitely heard just put yourself out there more. Cast a wider net. Mm-hmm. Be more open. Mm-hmm get out there more like all of that and in some ways I'm like yeah I know that that can work Mm -hmm. like I got a date out of the speed dating thing you know like I mean like things happen if you put yourself out there but also it's really hard to do it's hard to do over and over and over again and every time you do it and it doesn't work out it comes with a little bit of a disappointment Mm -hmm. and there's an emotional toll it takes to put yourself out there all the time and regularly and to hope a little and be disappointed or to be emotionally vulnerable with somebody and not have that reciprocated or to and, realize, Oh, he has a girlfriend or he's not attracted to women or yeah. he's not looking or yeah. he smells weird. Like, <laughs> yes, there, yes. The, the cycle of like, okay, like stealing yourself, preparing yourself. I'm going to go out. I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to like put myself out there you get you have this hope because if you didn't have hope mm-hmm. a little bit you wouldn't do it mm-hmm. and you run into just some like weird or disappointing scenario that mm-hmm. takes an actual toll it's not just it does oh you're losing out if you don't do this you're all it's also costing you something to do that over and over it really does it and it's really exhausting and then you have to recover from it and if you just become somebody who can do that without any cost, that costs like that costs a little bit of like a willingness to be vulnerable or emotional. Mm. Like you're basically putting on armor, you know, in a way. And I don't really want to be that person. So, yeah, I mean, I it's not that it's like terrible advice to get out there and try, but it is also like costly advice. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I don't want my whole life to be about finding a guy. Yeah. Okay, number five. I can't believe you're still single. You're such a catch. Mm -hmm. I know it's meant as a compliment, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, okay. (laughs) But I still am single, so maybe I'm not the catch you think I am. Maybe... Maybe I'm fooling you, but I can't seem to fool a guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, Mm. that just makes me feel really discouraged. I mean, not that I want you to tell me why I'm (laughs) still single. I don't want you to be like, well, it's understandable that you're still single. I wonder. So this one, I guess I've heard a few times over the years. And I, you're so successful. You're so smart. Yes. You're so yes. like yes. whatever. And I do generally receive it as the person saying like, I see all these really good qualities in you and I don't understand mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. some theoretical man out there doesn't see those same qualities. Like you're a great yeah. person and other people should recognize that. So that's how I take it on one level. On another level, it does feel a little bit like to know your self-worth or to have it reinforced you have to have this like external man 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. reinforce that for you. Like what might be better is just to say you're a great person and here's why and to not connect it to your singleness status because I know a lot of people who are married who right. are not great people. <laughs> for example, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like marriage <laughs> is not the determiner of your worth and singleness yes. does not mean that you're not a great person. And it seems to be connecting those yes. two in an unhelpful way. And um, Weirdly, okay, here's an observation. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, I feel like a lot of the things that people will say make me a catch. Like, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you have a cool job. You're interesting. I feel like also are sometimes, uh, hmm, I don't want to say this. They're sometimes barriers. Yes. Especially in religious circles. <laughs> Maybe less now. But I mean, I think there is there's also that like, oh, you're you're just intimidating. Yeah, you know, I've I mean, that. there's like a lot of those things are actually, I think, are particularly if you get in places that have very traditional gender roles, mm-hmm. like in the church, that those things actually can be kind of a turnoff or problematic for some guys. Right. Maybe the retort to that should be like, great, help the men in the church value really smart, ambitious women. Mm -hmm. I say this with experience, Mm -hmm. having had those words basically spoken to me. So, yes. Well, it's often like, oh, yeah, in theory, I want a smart, ambitious woman. But in reality, Mm -hmm. we have had this conversation. In reality, what I want is my mom. Uh huh. Yeah. Now that we're talking about religious context, this is like one with a religious flair. I think this is probably any kind of spiritualized rationale or comment about singleness is my least favorite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's something like, it's when you stop looking that this will happen for you. It's when you are content in God that God will give you the desires of your heart. It's something like, if you do this, God will do this. Which is if you just stop wanting it, God will give it to you. I I just hate any kind of spiritualized formula that tries to yeah. explain what can't typically be explained in those terms. Right. I'm speaking to myself because there was a time in my life when I did think about relationships in terms of God brought this person into my life and intended this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I just think it's a little bit harder to hold on to at this stage in life. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, but I've I've thought many times before that God was doing something really specific with this person or relationship and then everything blew up. So I just don't put a lot of weight into providential claims as it pertains to relationships. Right. I mean, what about like God will bring you the one when in God's timing? I don't know. Maybe. Have you heard that one? No, I no, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I've definitely heard that. I just, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's true. Maybe not. I, I don't, I don't love that one. Mostly because I, I feel like it's a little bit of like on par with like everything happens for a reason. Right, right. Hmm. I think the key here is like when you're spiritualizing, I think it's really easy and comfortable place for people to go. Yes. When they're in the church and you've and you've offered them something uncomfortable, like this hurts for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a very comfortable place and, and familiar place for people to want and want to be able to be like, let's try to understand this in terms of like mm-hmm. 
our faith and God right. and our spirituality, and maybe this will offer some comfort. Yes, you know, which I and, I think that's a good impulse. Right. I think oftentimes what I actually need is not some kind of explanation. It's just like mm-hmm. someone sitting with you in your pain or your questions. Right. You know, it's, it, yes. I don't need an explanation. I just need someone to be with me in the pain. Yeah. And I don't want to be told to just be patient, trust God. It'll happen when the timing is right. Cause it doesn't always happen. Like not everybody gets married. No, not everybody has kids. Like it might not happen. All right, here's my last one. <laughs> Number, Number seven. seven. Have you all been taking notes? Yes, I hope. <laughs> I hope our listeners have been writing these down in the list. Okay, so this one is is not, it's not bad when you say it. It's bad when you don't follow through on it, <laughs> which is, I need to set you up with this person that I know, or I think you and this person would really hit it off, but then you don't ever connect us. Faith without works <laughs> is dead, y'all. <laughs> um... Yes, this has happened to me, and it is very frustrating. It is. I would love for a friend who's like, hey, I thought of this person. I think you'd hit it off, even if it doesn't lead to anything. Like, you all should meet each other. Great. I would much rather be connected through a friend than the dating apps or talking to a man in the mm-hmm. grocery store. <laughs> yes, and I and I think people feel like they they're un, they feel uncomfortable to actually do it, but I like please make it happen. Invite us both over to dinner. Invite us both to a party. Like introduce us. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the way we used to do things. Yeah, I wonder if people don't do it. I mean, the the instance I'm thinking of, I felt like this person just forgot, which didn't feel great Mm -hmm. because they were... Well, and I don't want to have to remind you. That's a weird thing to remind you. Right. Like, and also I wonder if they feel like, oh shoot, if this doesn't work out, is this going to like... I think that happened. ...come back to bite me in some way. Right. I don't know. But I... Are we making a plea to our listeners right now? Email us at sbtcpodcast at (laughs) religionnews.com and we'll get back to you. Yeah, we're gonna throw to our break and promote religion news service. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about what's helpful. Religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. All the news from the pews. And if you like what we're doing at Say by the City, let us know. Throw us a rating or review. It goes a long way toward helping get the word out about the show. Roxy and I were so grateful to hear from so many of our listeners about our episode last week on motherhood. We heard from a notable number of you just saying that you really resonated with the themes. One listener said, such a necessary topic. So many women be like, you don't know love until you have kids. And I always think, what about Jesus? Or here's another one. Somebody said, this is fast becoming my favorite podcast. Thanks for being vulnerable and for taking on so many important topics. Someone said that they've been Mm -hmm. praying specifically about this grief for me after a specific event. This event was not about grief or singleness, but apparently I didn't hide it very well. So whoever you are, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for your prayers. Well, someone also said this was a fantastic episode, vulnerable, raw, and hopeful. We'd love to hear from you for real about various and sundry things at sbtcpodcast.religionnews.com. We want to hear from you and we reply. 
Roxy, you started this episode by saying, let's not be ranty. And I think mostly we've avoided <laughs> it. And also, I mostly, <laughs> mostly. And also, I think it's a great opportunity to say what is great and supportive to receive from our friends as single people. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most about some of our friends locally, Mm -hmm. this is obviously hard to do if your single friends don't live near you, but I love being invited over and I love Mm -hmm. being invited into things with your family Mm -hmm. and your kids, not just like, Oh, let's go out to dinner and I'll get a babysitter, but Mm -hmm. like actually being able to participate in the life of a family. Yeah. I have really appreciated that. And not assuming that like, oh, my single friends won't want to be around my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's actually a joy for me to yeah, be part and of. I really think it's important. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't have kids, like I think children are like a beautiful gift in this world. And I don't want to not get to participate in that or receive from that because I don't have children. I want I want children to be part of my life. Yes. I want my married parenting friends to be honest about their experience. Like just Mm -hmm. as I want the vulnerability to go both ways. Yeah. So that it doesn't feel like, oh, my single friend is sad, (laughs) but we have everything. You know, I'm not saying falsify difficulty. I just mean, right. I want to hear what your experience is like. Like, I want to know what's great and what's hard and not feel like they have to tiptoe around any pain we might have about not having Mm -hmm. kids. Yeah, I think that's really important. I was actually having this conversation recently with a couple of girlfriends that we have a group text and Um, We've been friends for a long time and they're both moms now. And, you know, there's ways, there's things that, especially in the early days that they would talk about that, about like having, you know, like what stroller to buy or Mm -hmm. this or that, like specific parenting things that sometimes I was like, hmm, I don't know if I want to be part of every one of these conversations, but also that was just my tension I needed to work through a little bit because that was the stage of life that they're in. And also like, I don't want to be cut off from their life either. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like they're like, oh, we can't talk about parenting stuff because that'll make Roxy sad. And so then it's like superficial in another way, you know? Mm -hmm. I think the other part of that is I want to be able to say, I'm sad I don't have kids. And sometimes that comes up when I Mm -hmm. hear about your kids or when I see your kids. And that's not something you should hide. And that's not something I should hide. Like I, like you said, like, let's have vulnerability go both ways and let's be able to like mm-hmm. grieve and celebrate with each other. Yeah. I think that's really hard to do, honestly. Mm. Why? Like why with each well, other? Because I do think that it's just so easy to fall into, um, comparison doesn't feel like the right word. I think it's easy to go to your s- single friends and talk about like, yes, your grief over not having kids or Mm -hmm. being single. And I think it's harder to go to your married friends and talk about being single or to your parent friends and talk about Mm -hmm. a sadness over not having kids because you don't want to make them feel bad for what they have. Mm -hmm. And also it can feel like, well, they just, they won't relate or it won't feel as mutual. Right. But I think that's what, how we end up with siloed friendships, you know, how we end up with, married couples and couples with kids kind of Mm -hmm. getting together over here and single people getting together over here. Yeah. Which I think we've established is not enriching that we really want friendships Mm -hmm. from across the aisle, so to speak. Right. There've been different times in my life where I felt like sheepish about 
knowing how to name successes or victories or like things to celebrate with my friends because we don't, as we talked about with Aaron last week, like we have the script for marriage, motherhood and mortgages. Mm. We do not have a script per Mm -hmm. se for like, you just wrote a book. You just had a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. You just had a breakthrough. You ran a marathon. Yeah. Like you, you just saw your 800th bird. Like, (laughs) not that I'm expecting people to celebrate that. Um, Just feeling like I would really love my married friends and friends with kids to find ways to celebrate things in my life. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Our middle ages are long and they don't come with a lot of milestones if you don't have Mm. a family and kids, you know, like you don't have a birth to celebrate and a five-year-old birthday and Halloween and like all of these, you know, I mean, you can celebrate Halloween, but you know what I mean? With little kids, it's just different. There's all these kinds of, there's the school play, there's, Mm -hmm. there's all these milestones and markers. And when you don't have that, like, what, what do you have? And I don't know how to do that. Like I, I, like you said, I don't really know how to name that. It feels selfish in a way that saying, Hey, come celebrate my kids baptism doesn't feel selfish you know well not the baptism it's a different kind of thing but (laughs) not with any of my friends I would say more acquaintances I have felt that there's been a tacit assumption that everything going on in their family's life is like the most important thing and obviously this is like Mm. The center of the activity. And it'd be great if you could participate in that. I think there are ways in which even celebrations for kids can be self-centered for the parents. I know I'm not supposed to Mm. say that. Say it. But I did. (laughs) I mean, I think that I I don't think that's untrue. I I, it makes me think of (laughs) that episode of Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. The shoes. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes. The title of the episode is A Woman's Right to Shoes. Yes, that's the one where she's like going, Carrie's going to a baby shower and she has fancy shoes on and Manolo Blahniks. And then they get stolen. And the friend with the baby, like, doesn't care that, doesn't think it's a big deal, doesn't seem to care. And then is like kind of shoe shaming, frustrated with Carrie. Yeah, shoe shaming. Yes, that's what what she said. Yeah, she, she says something like, wow, Carrie, that's a lot of money to spend on shoes. And wow, like, I don't have time to think about stuff like this anymore. I don't have. Yeah. Now that I, I have kids, exactly. I don't. Like, that's a frivolous thing to care about. Yeah. And Carrie's like, yeah, but you cared about these things. Like, having kids does not give you a moral upper hand. But it seems it, it did feel that way in the episode. And I maybe that's a little bit what I was getting at with my first one is like that little bit of a feeling of like what you care about, Mm -hmm. what you're doing now is like less, less important, more frivolous than like having a family and raising kids at where, where I put all of my focus and energy. It's just a way for people to feel good about their own life decisions. Right. Like, but by comparison, I think it's like, I need to justify the fact that no, I can't go out to dinner and a Broadway show on a Tuesday night. And I have to think about our kids' college education and I can't spend that money on shoes or whatever. Like, so you do it, right? you deal with the loss, which I think is actually like you are really giving up things yeah. by convincing yourself that, yeah, but this is the moral high road. Right, right. Like I have chosen the better thing. Yeah, we all do that. Which I, I'm not saying that children are equal to fancy shoes. I, I am. I just want to go on record. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but there are things in our lives 
as single people that are worth celebrating. Yes. Maybe not fancy shoes, but a book deal, a birthday, a some kind of cool accomplishment, whatever that is for you. Or, yeah, or, or you know, going to recovery or, you know, like the mm. more interior personal development things mm. like those. Yeah, those things matter. What's the time that you felt really cared for by a friend with a husband and children? Well, when my when my friends invited me to live with them and their family when I was like kind of recovering from a breakup that I'd moved across the country for and I wasn't sure yet where I wanted to land Mm -hmm. and I was really sad Mm -hmm. and I really really was having a hard time being alone and I stayed with them for a couple months Mm. and they gave me a lot of space but also in let me be as part of a family as much as I wanted and needed to be Mm. you know I think I think showing up for single people when they're hurting really matters because we don't have like a default nuclear family around us. Mm-hmm. And it that's, that is a way I feel like that is like real tangible support. Mm-hmm. What about you? Just recently I've had two married friends with kids say something like, who have known me for a long time, say something like you've grown so much and I'm really proud of you. Oh, so I love that. Yeah. Um, these are friends who knew me when I was engaged and have been witness to mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple ups and downs in my romantic life. And just, I don't know, those words of affirmation can really go a long way to know that somebody like notices the work that you've done on yourself. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's true for married friends, too. I'm sure they would love to hear that from more than their spouses. Let's go send some texts. Done and done. Saved by the City is a religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Winton. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone and Caitlin Beatty. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.